Well, good morning and welcome to Foothills Church 2022. Is that exciting or what, right? Happy New Year to each and every one of you. In fact, turn to the person next to you on both sides of you, as well as Bearden and online. If you're just with your family, look to that person and say, Happy New Year. Wonderful. See, you just made a new friend. There you go. You didn't expect to do that. I had that at church today, right? Well, Happy New Year to everyone. It is 2022. We are moving into a brand new year. And I don't know about you, but for me personally, as I come into every new year, um, I end up usually making resolutions. I, I make goals. Um, anyone in here do those? Anyone? Yeah? All right. Yeah, yeah. Good. Good for you. Good for you. I have goals that, that, I, that I aspire to, New Year's resolutions, things that I want to apply to my life to make my life better just to being honest. I mean, I want this year to be better than last year in some way. Maybe it's a relationship with someone. Maybe it's just my personal health. Whatever that could be, I come into the new year and I have some kind of a New Year's resolution. I want to move into the new year and do something better. Now, the problem with me is oftentimes I start really strong, okay? About mid-year, I'm kind of, or a few months in, I'm, I'm kind of beginning to fade a little bit. And then by the end, I'm kind of off the track. Right, and anyone sets goals that that happens to you as well. Come on, be honest. It's confession time. We're all in this together. There you go. Uh, so we, we we tend to do that, and oftentimes we find ourselves. One of the reasons for me that I that I do this is either my maybe my goal is too simple, um, maybe it's it's just too too simple that I'm like going. This is not really changing anything. I, I made a goal that was that I could apply tomorrow, like like eat every day. Right, that's a pretty simple thing to do. I mean, but, but my goal, or maybe it's too complex, maybe it's too big, maybe it's too lofty, and I want to achieve this grand goal, and I just can't get there. Well, we do it in our lives, but we also do it um, in, in our faith. We do it in, in our relationship with God in, in a lot of different ways, and, and oftentimes we end up having these lofty goals that we just, that we just fall short. Well, I, I happen to look up the, the top resolutions for um, the previous years, and, and I found a website, and, and this, is, this is what I found. Okay, the top resolutions that I found, these were, these were the top five, okay? Top New Year's resolutions. First of all, exercise more. That was it. Pretty simple. That, I guess that's very relative to whatever it is. If it's go an extra day to the gym, that's great. If it's I do nothing but sit on the TV, sit on the couch and watch TV, and your goal is to say, you know what, I want to walk to the fridge this time and walk back. That's exercising more. So it could be that it's very relative. So exercise more. I'll, I'll give that to him. All right. So next is to lose weight. We, we have that, lose weight. A lot of people come into the new year. You hit the holidays, and you got Thanksgiving and Christmas that hits you, and it hits you hard, and you're like, I've got to lose some weight. All right. So that's a big goal. A lot of people have that as the New Year's resolution. Get organized. Get organized. That typically is mine coming into the new year. My, the way I'm wired and who I am, it doesn't come naturally for me. I'm more of a relational type person. And so organization for me, fortunately, my wife is incredible at this. So, so she helps me in many ways. But I have a coming to the new year of, of, of getting more organized with my life, taking that step. Next, learn a new skill or hobby. That, that's a realistic one. That's a great one for anyone that, that would want to apply to their life. Try something new this year. Maybe you want to cook more. Maybe you want to try some new skill, whatever that might be. Or live life to the fullest. Again, kind of vague, but live life to the fullest. Kind of, kind of living a full life. Living one of those lives that you, at the end of your days, you look back and you go, wow, I live my life to the fullest. 
Oftentimes, this ends up resulting in bucket lists. It ends up resulting in getting out of your comfort zone. It ends up resulting in you and I uh, that, will, that will make a decision to be like, you know what? I'm going to buy a motorcycle. That's living life. No, to me, that would my, end my life quicker because I have no idea what I'm doing. Never ridden one ever. But uh, live life to the fullest, buy a motorcycle. Or go maybe go skydiving, bungee jumping, you know, go, go hike the Himalayas. Do something like that. We have a bucket list. We have a big list of something we want to do, some, some great thing. And that's living life to the fullest. Well, what if I told you that this one right here, living life to the fullest, this last one, that it's already been laid out for us. That when we uh, seek out and, and we were to go to God and say, what does it mean to live life to the fullest? That it really has already been answered for us. In fact, Jesus tells us right here, the thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. The thief is the enemy. The thief, the thief is the devil. He comes to steal, kill, and destroy our lives. He wants to make our lives miserable. But I came, Jesus is saying this, that they may have life and have it abundantly. So you're, you're seeing this full life that people are wanting, right? You're seeing this full life of one of the top resolutions that every, every person, churched and unchurched, wants to have. Christian, non-Christian. They're saying, I want to have I want to live a life that is full. Well, Jesus said, I have come that you can have life abundantly. We just celebrated the birth of Jesus, right? The greatest gift that has ever been given to us. God in the flesh. But Christmas was just the beginning. You see, Christmas was the birth of Jesus, and he grew to be a boy. He grew to be a man who, who moved into his ministry later on in his years, raised by a carpenter and his wife, and, and he ended up in actually even having his first miracle being at a wedding, of all things, who made turn water into wine. And so Jesus has this ministry that he begins, and he goes and he chooses these followers of his, these disciples, who are fishermen, tax collectors, sinners, not the ones that you and I would typically pick, but that was Jesus. That's who he selected. That's who he said, come follow me as my disciples, as my followers who are going to, to observe me, watch me, learn from me. And at the end of their days, they will be able to look back and say that I have come to give you life to the fullest. In fact, many of these disciples gave their life because of what he taught, gave their life because of what they saw, gave their life because of what they witnessed. See, at the end, he gave his life for them, for you, for I, all of us. And what they witnessed and what they observed, they couldn't deny the fact that the life he's promising isn't the life of bucket list, isn't the life that, is, that is, everyone says is something that you get to experience in this, in this grandiose way that what our world says is life to the fullest. The life that they experienced, I promise you this, at the end of their days, they were able to say, we live life to the fullest because of what Jesus has done in our lives. And he's promised it. So here's my challenge for you today. We're going to go through three basics. We're going to go back to the basics today because oftentimes most of us, if you're in church right now, I believe there's something within you. Maybe you haven't stepped foot into church for a long time. That's your New Year's resolution. Welcome. Glad you're here today. Maybe you've been a part of Foothills for many years. Maybe you moved into the community seeking out a church and you're visiting today or been coming for a while. No matter what got you here today, I hope and pray that there's something within you that says, I want 
to grow in my relationship with God. Because if we believe that he gives us hope, that we want to grow spiritually. But oftentimes, we have grandiose plans. We get complicated. We confuse really what it means to grow in our faith. And so maybe we just need to get back to the basics. And, and I assure you this, if you apply these three areas to your life, this year will be better than last in your relationship with God as well as others. You see, Jesus promised us this, that we would have this life to the full. But then he had a command. He said, he said this, he said that I want you to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind and love your neighbor as yourself. Loving God and loving others. That's what he's asked us to do. So you want to have a better year this year than last? Let's focus on three, three areas. So, so first of all, here, here's number one. Spend time with God. <laughs> Most of you probably are thinking, that's it? <laughs> I'm in church. That's what you're going to tell me to do. You know, you're leaning over to your spouse right now saying, hey, uh, so that's the best this guy has? Spend time with God? That's a given. I mean, that's what we're supposed to say. As Christians, that's what we're supposed to do. We're supposed to spend time with God. We have our quiet time. We have words that we use for it. We have our devotionals. We have words in, 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 our, in our apps and things that we apply to our lives oftentimes. But here's my question. If we know it's that important and we know that's something that we should do, why is it that so few of us actually do it? Then I'm talking about spending time with God. I mentioned a moment ago that Jesus, at the end of his life, gave his life. See, there was a, there was a veil that separated the presence of God from, from us, from mankind, right? And only when, when an atonement would happen or when a, when a sacrifice would be made could, could actually the priest walk in and be part of that presence. But it was the separation that took place from the very beginning. And when Jesus gave his life, the veil was torn, the veil was open, and now you and I, this is amazing, have access to God daily. We, we can ha enter into a relationship. We've entered into a relationship with him. But oftentimes our prayer life is how we communicate to God. We say, I spend time with God, but my prayer life consists of like a little, like a little genie. Rub the bottle when I want something or I got trouble or I got issues going on. I want something big. God, give me this. Maybe it's at a mealtime that we say, Father, thank you for this meal and for all the blessings of life. Maybe it's just it's like, you know, you're in prison, you're in trouble, and you make that one phone call to God and say, please get me out. Whatever it is, our prayer life has come, is, it's turned into not a conversation, not a sharing with God, not actually modeling how Jesus said to pray. But we pray out of this, only when I need him, I'll come to him. And, and oftentimes, we, we see his word, we see the Bible. We believe, by the way, that the Bible is God's word, that God's word has been given to us to speak to us, to share with us in this word. But we read this like a textbook. We read this like, like some ancient manuscript. You see, Jesus modeled this time with God. Crazy enough, he was God in the flesh, the son of God. But he modeled this for us. As the, the, the one who says, I've come to give you life abundantly, I wholeheartedly believe this, that he was actually looking at his disciples and saying, to give you life abundantly, watch my life. Watch how I live this life. And you'll learn what this real life is all about. And this is what Jesus did. And rising very early in the morning while it was still dark, he departed and went out to a desolate place. And there he prayed. 
You see, Jesus got away. Jesus got away and spent time with the Father. He knew this was really important. He was very intentional about this time. He made the time. It wasn't just if I have time. It wasn't just if I, I'm going to give time to the Father and spend time with him only if, if I have a little bit of extra time or if I, my alarm, I hit snooze one more time or whatever that might be. He knew the, the significance. If I'm going to make it in this life, I have to spend time with the Father. So we modeled this. And man, I read this and it convicted me as even I was preparing this because I have to be honest, I, I, I struggle sometimes with this. I get, I get caught up in maybe sermon prepping or, or what it, my time is, it seems like it's so, it's so you know, uh, like I'm learning about God or, or I'm studying his word to, to learn about God instead of spending time with him. See, Jesus, I wholeheartedly believe, went and he spent time with the Father, that he rested in him that he spent time sharing with him. You read about in the garden before he gave his life. He said his sweat was like drops of blood. I mean, the anguish he was feeling and what he was sharing. Is your prayer life like that? Is mine like that? Do I realize I'm in the presence of God, the creator of life? Am I just kind of like giving him a token? Appreciate you, big fella. So, we find in the psalmist, or in the psalms, the psalmist reads this, or says this. Your word, we believe that this is the word that he gives us, God's word to us. Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. A few years ago, I had an opportunity to go to uh, Costa Rica on a mission trip. And so we were in, a, in an area called Talamanca. We've never been to Costa Rica. It's like the, where the indigenous people are. It's on the very remote part of, of, of Costa Rica. And, and uh, so we were on a mission trip there. there. No hotel, nothing like that. We had to um, sleep on, the, on a concrete floor. Many of you, you've been on trips such as this. Sleep on a concrete floor, had a very thin mattress, had, a, had netting over our, my face so that the big massive bugs flying around wouldn't attack me and, and fly at my nose or something crazy like that. And so, we, you know, I'm laying there on the floor, and they told us beforehand, they said, inside the church where you're sleeping right now, on the floor, there, there, is, no, there is no bathroom. The bathroom is about 30 yards that way, out that door. And when you go to the bathroom, make sure you take a light with you. So I'm thinking it's dark. There's no street lights. There's none of that. Barely even the moonlight because of all the trees are there. It's almost like the jungle. And then they let me know that, Oh, yeah, by the way, last week there was a guy here, one of the guys who came here, um, he got bit by a snake and he was airlifted out. Awesome. Um, so I'm told there are snakes in the grass. It is dark and you can't see them. But if you have to wake up, and people of my age, that tends to be the case, you, it's hard to make it all night, right? So, so I'm like, if I have to, I have to wake up in the dark and I have to walk 30 yards to do what I need to do, but I have to dodge the snakes and the other critters on the grass. So I want you to know, I, I slept with my flashlight right next to me, right, all night long, so I, didn't, I could find it very easily. So when I woke up, I had my light, and I could shine my light in front of me, walking to the bathroom, looking for the snakes in the grass. I want you to know, I made it home without any bites or didn't see one. So it was a great week. But here, here, here's the point of that. 
Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light into my path. If you've ever been in the dark, you've been trying to see where to walk, man, you can trip and fall. There's maybe snakes that are in the grass. Maybe if you've ever been camping and you have to walk away, it's dark. You have your headline on, you're looking ahead. When you are in the dark, you're so dependent on the light. And here's the deal, man, we, are, we live in a dark world. We live in a world that is filled with sin and selfishness, that it has our own personal desires, you know, that is out in front of us. People that we know, that, that hatred that's out there, the darkness that is out there. And his word, his word is a lamp to our feet and a light to our path. You want to know how to see the snakes in the grass that are ahead of you? You know how to, how to take your next step? Dig into this book. Open it up and read about it. You, I promise you, you there'll be things you don't understand. That's okay. I, I, I've been in ministry for, you know, 30 years, been a Christian for 40. I've been to seminary. I read it, and I still don't fully understand everything. If someone says they fully understand it, run from them because they don't. The mystery of God still draws us to him. The wonder and the majesty of him still draws us to him. And when we read about him, we become in awe. I read things when I was 15, 20 years old that I didn't fully understand. I'm like, I don't comprehend that. I come back to it when I'm in my 30s or in my 40s. Ah, God's spirit works within me and all of a sudden reveals the truth and I'm able to understand it like never before. I read that 20 times before and it just hit me. His word is a lamp to our feet and a light to our path. We also find out right here, the word of God is living and active. Sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and of spirit, of joints and of marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. This book is alive, okay? When we read it like a textbook or some manuscript, we miss the point. We miss it. We actually, when we open it up and we read it like it's dead or we read it like it was so ho-hum or we're, we're reading the narratives or the stories. I'll never forget when I read about the life of Peter who, who denied him at the end of his life. When I first realized this and it, this, this passage hit me and I read about Peter and how Peter denied him and the anguish that he went through in that moment of realization when he looks and the rooster crows. And he looks, and Jesus is looking at him, and I realize it's alive, and this is a real person, and what he's dealt with, I deal with constantly, is I feel like I deny him oftentimes in front of others, and it is alive, and it will change you if you allow it to. And when you read it like it is living and active, sharper than any double-edged sword, he wants to change you through his word as he speaks to us. So, so what do we do with this? How do we move into the new year saying, how do I spend time with God? First of all, recognize this. It is a relationship. So when you enter into that time with him, realize that you are spending time with the almighty God, okay? A recognition of who he is. When Jesus taught us how to pray, when Jesus set the example of spending time with the Father, that is how we live. So, so first, first of all, here, here's, here's one thing to apply. Listen to him. Listen to him. R- read his word. Listen, spend time opening up, processing it. Don't just pass over a, pass or a scripture real quick. Dig into it. Listen to him. Allow his, his spirit to teach you. So when we listen to him, we rec- recognize that we are in this relationship with him. And also, speak to him. Let your prayer life open up this year. 
come to him into his presence and realize that, wow, now I have access to him and he is with open arms saying, I want to hear your heart's desire. I want to hear what's going on in your life. I want you to share with me. Don't just come with your laundry list of everything you want, like, like you're looking into this next year and saying, gimme, gimme, gimme. Come to me. Share with me. Tell me what's going on in your life. Speak to him. So when we listen to him and we speak with him, we're able to do this. Rest in him. We're truly able to rest in him. You see, that is where the rubber meets the road for me, where I missed it for so many years. People that I know, Christians that I know, that spend time and we open it up and we dig in and we have our little prayer. And many times it's the same prayer that we repeat over and over and over again. There's nothing personal feeling about it at all that we have not truly rested in him. I've not brought my cares and concerns to him. He says this, cast all your cares on me for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. So you want to come into this next year and in, in, in understanding of, of how do I approach this where this year is better than last year? Take a moment to listen to him, to speak to him daily, regularly, and rest in him. Here's a question that I have. Are you spending intentional, personal time with God? Are, are, are you spending that? Are you regularly spending that? I had to ask myself that question. I mean, if you miss a day, get right back into it. This is not a thing. In fact, we, we're going to have, we, we read through, the, through uh, the New Testament this last year. We're going to have opportunities to read through it together. We're going to have, we give, on, the, on your way out, make sure you get your card, uh, the, your keychain online. You can read. And so we've given you some tools. Just get online. Get in his word wherever you read the scripture and spend time with him. Because this is true. We cannot grow as a follower of Jesus if we don't spend time with Jesus. Tell me a relationship that you have where you, you, that it's growing, but you never spend time with the person. There's, it's, there's not one. It's impossible. You can say, well, we spend, you know, blah, blah. We're, we're, we're kind of just separated by distance. No, no, no. You, you can't spend time with the person. Or you can't grow in that relationship if you're not spending time with them. So spend time with God this year. Focus on that. Make it a priority. Put it on your calendar. Wake up in the morning. Spend time at night. Get away and spend time with God. Basic number one. Basic number two is this. Spend time with his people. Some of you might be saying, oh, I've got this one because I, I'm, I have my seat. I regularly sit in every Sunday. In fact, if you see me and I'm not here, you know I must be sick or something's wrong because we're here every Sunday. You see, but often we find the church gathering such as this, that we, that we find our space, that we find our place, and we find our seat, and we feel that regular attendance is actually the spending time with his people. But as I said, sometimes getting back to the basics of understanding what this means isn't as basic as we might think. In fact, there's a little bit more depth to the basics of it. So spending time with God, what, what does this look like? So the early church gave us some great examples, okay? So in Hebrews, we see this. And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works. How can you, you, if, you if you've been a part of Foothills this last year, I know you've heard this in, in several series talking about what it means to be the church, what it means to love one another. So, so how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together. This is the habit of some. But encouraging one another, and all the more, as you see the day drawing near. See what, what the early church realized is, what, 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 what the writer of Hebrews is saying right here, telling the church, don't, don't neglect it. Don't get away from it. Make it a priority. 
Make it really, really significant in your life. Make this that if some, whatever's important in your life, will you, it will get your time, okay? That is, that is the truth. No matter what you set aside as your, as your New Year's resolutions, moving into this next year, whatever gets your time, okay, has your heart. Whatever has your time has your focus. It has your intentionality. And, and if we want to grow in our relationship with God, the early church gave us a model that said, man, Consider how you stir up one another in love and good works. Don't neglect meeting together as, as we can easily do. Gather together. Be a part. We find the early church also in Acts right here. And day by day attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes. Man, they gathered together in the temple for the worship. And then they got together and they broke bread in their homes and they had fellowship with one another. They received their food with glad and generous hearts. They gathered together. They realize that we're in this together. We need one another. We can't make this on our own. Yes, having that personal time with God is so significant. The man gathering with his people, that's as important as well. Galatians, we read this. You, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free. We have freedom in Christ. Christ has made us free. You want to have freedom? Maybe you felt, just give you, pause for a moment. You want to know as I move into this nature, how can I free, like I have a free, I mean, feel like I have a, this free life? It only can be found in Christ. It can only be found in Jesus. He is the one who has given us freedom. So you, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free. But do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh, what, what we desire. What our flesh says is what we want to do. But rather serve one another humbly and love. We find in Galatians 5, 13. You see, what we find the early church doing is gathering together, worshiping together, loving one another, serving one another, giving to one another. And many times that has become neglected in church world today. Just being honest. It's easy to find that, that we just we kind of have this consumer mentality. It's easy to find that, that, that we, we can just say, hey, I've got my seat. I show up on Sunday morning. Man, I hope the parking team has their act together. I hope that uh, when I show up at kids' environment, I drop my kids off. And, and I really, really hope that they've got their act together. And I have enough volunteers because a few weeks ago I dropped my kids off and they didn't. made me really upset because I'm late for church. And I've got to get to my seat so that I can hear what the pastor has for me, what Pastor Trent is going to be preaching for me, what the worship is going for me. I can grab my coffee in enough time and I can go find my seat. And, and, and we, we end up consuming what the church has to give us without giving in return. You see that the early church, what we found them doing was this. Wow, worshiping together. Coming together, realizing that this Jesus, who, whom we not only just hear about, but many in the early church witnessed and saw and heard eyewitness accounts. And they're saying what he taught us we can't help but worship him. We can't help but come together and, and to listen to, for the teaching of his, from his word. We can't help but come together and, and worship and to sing and, and to not have the worst voice in the world, but to realize that, that, man, as we gather together and as we sing and as we're experiencing that together, man, God does something phenomenal in our lives. I, I don't know if you guys remember last year in the season where we weren't able to gather together at all. You know, the pandemic and, and our doors were closed for all. We didn't know what was going to happen, and, and, and it's still a reality. Um, but we're gathering together, and I don't know if you remember that, but I, I remember sitting at home going, just looking at my wife, going, I miss people. 
I'm a people person. You might be a, more of an introvert, and you're going, I didn't miss it at all. I had my coffee. I was able to watch online in my PJs. It's awesome. Yeah, it was kind of awesome. But we miss that being together. I mean, we're, we're, we're commanded, we're told the significance of gathering together and what that means. So the early church, man, they worshiped together. Not only that, we find this. They were serving together. They were serving and giving to one another. He said, you are free in Christ. You, your freedom, don't, don't indulge the flesh with that, but serve one another gladly. To, to what it means to serve one another, what it means to give to one another. My challenge for you this next year is this. If you are not on a service team and you, want to, you call Foothills Church your home, whether you are at the Maryville location, Bearden, even watching online, because we would love to see you here at one of our locations. So whatever location you end up showing up at, find a place to serve. I promise your spiritual growth will be slow. Your spiritual growth will find some, a little roadblock if you're not giving back to others. So many have done so much for you. When you pulled up in the parking lot, when you walked in the door, when you found your seat, somebody shined a flashlight down for you to go where you need to go. Somebody made coffee for you really early this morning. Someone took your kids next door. Someone takes care of your students on Wednesday night. There's a lot that we have going on. But wow, when we find a place to serve, we become part of the body of Christ, actively seeing lives being changed. Here's another thing that they did together. They were growing together. They were growing together. For us, man, we, this is, we, we believe in relational environments here. We believe that if you want to develop into a mature disciple of Christ, you need to be in a relational environment. It's modeled. Jesus lived this out with his disciples, okay? So, so are we growing together? Are you in a small group? It's a great question. You heard in the announcements earlier uh, that we, we're, we're about to begin small groups. So jump into one. Be part of one. And I want to encourage you with this. You might have been in a bad one. It's okay. Get into another one. Because people are messy. And it might not have been great. But it's okay to say that, you know what, that just wasn't great. Let's try it again. Then giving up on it. Because there are people in that group. You might even be saying, I'm in a group and when I show up, I don't get a whole lot out of it. Well, can I, can I help you with something? Maybe there's somebody in your group that needs you there. Not just what you're going to get out of it. Maybe there's someone that needs you. God has rocked my world sometimes. When I have shown up at group, been a part, thinking to myself, what am I getting? And then there's someone who reaches out and says, hey, can we get together and talk? Or, or, or someone who needs me to share something, they share that night. Hey, thank you for sharing that. And I realize in just that moment, just like worshiping together, just like serving in other people, just, just like you know, everything that we, that we just shared about what it means to think outside of ourselves, that we are there worshiping, that we're serving, and we're growing together as the church, as the followers of, as followers of Jesus. So, so here's my question for you. Are you gathering with and serving God's people as you move into this next year? It's a great test, just, or a great question just to ask yourself, to test yourself. Are you regularly gathering? I mean, if this is your first time here, hey, I'm just here for the first time. Hey, give, come back next week. Come back next week. It's, it's going to be awesome. Brand new series we have going on. Make this a part of where you just say, I want to be. And not only that, jump into a group. Be part with other people. Be a part of their lives. Because here's what we find in the scripture, man, the modeling of what it means. If we only spend time with God's people for personal gain, for what I'm going to get out of it, we really miss the point. 
Because when you give and when you serve and when you love and when you care for and we are part of the body of Christ and we give to one another and the fruits of the Spirit is, is evident in our lives and we're growing and you are a part of a small group and building relationships and listening to others and praying with others and learning and challenging one another, that when you're a part of that, you, you, it's amazing what God does in your life for you to grow. Because when, when we're just receiving, we consume. But when we're able to, to share with others, we receive so much more blessing than we ever did when it's just about me. So finally, one more thing. We just talked about what it means to spend time with God. Make, make that a basic, make that a core essential for you this next year as you move into this next year. What it means to spend time with God's people, being present with them, being relationally invested, serving and loving, caring for God's people, his church. But this one's hard. Spend time with those who need to know him. Those who are outside the walls of the church, those many who could care less about Christianity or the church at all, faith, spend time with them. Invest into them. Love on them. I mean, if we want to talk about how this was lived out in the life of Jesus, wow. I mean, he, he lived this. He shared, with, shared it. He spoke it, the truth around it. In fact, the, the religious leaders saw him actually eating with tax collectors and sinners. And at that time, if you were a religious person, if you were a spiritual person, if you were a person of, of standing in the religious community, you did not do that. Okay? You did not do that. And this is what we read right here. And when Jesus heard it, heard that they were saying this about him, heard them asking, why is it that you are the Jesus? They're asking others, they're saying, why is it that Jesus is eating with tax collectors and sinners? Come on, he's supposed to be better than this. When Jesus heard it, he said to them, those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick, I came not to call the righteous, but sinners. See, Jesus was saying this. He said, hey, 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 um, I, I'm eating with them because they need me, because inside they're sick. Sin has made them sick. Their sin, their self-righteous choice to sin, to, be, to, to have this of consuming them and being a part that they've inherited, but also the choices that they make and the sin that is in their life has made them sick. I have come to make them well. And I cannot make them well if I'm not with them. And I want you to, 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 to please recognize this for just a moment, that the way Jesus modeled this, the way that he lived this, was that he showed them God's love and then he shared with them God's love. Here's what I want you to know. We, you've heard about it. You heard about it a little while ago. We, we've discussed it. We have a new series that are, is coming up called Gospel Voice. Please be a part of this because what we're sharing here, man, as soon as you heard that, you, many of us checked out because it's hard. We live in a world that says, hey, don't push and force and press your beliefs on anyone else. Man, just let everybody just be themselves, right? Well, that's part of the problem is we're not talking about forcing and pressing anything. We're talking about building a relationship with people so that you can have an opportunity to share with them the hope that you found. And that's what your gospel voice is. For the next few weeks, be here. Be here. Make sure you're a part and you've found your place here because it will change you. It will change how you approach others and your opportunity to share your faith with them. You see, Jesus said this, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. See, Jesus, his command at the very end 
He told his disciples, go and make disciples. But here's what was amazing. They were living this out, and they were, they were, as he was doing this, and as he was experiencing this, or they were experiencing time with him, this is what he modeled. This is what he lived. I mean, in fact, he had, we read in the Scripture of one moment where he had to travel from one region to another. And as he had to travel from this region to the other, he had to pass through an area called Samaria. Okay? Well, it says he had to, but most of, the, as we read, most of those, the, the Jewish people would actually go around it because the Jews and the Samaritans kind of hated one another, all right? I mean, I guess it's like Tennessee and Alabama fans maybe. Let's give you that example. Um, so they really just didn't like one another. They were cordial maybe with one another, I don't know, but they just didn't like one another at all. They had this different kind of the belief system that separated them enough that said, that, you know what, we don't want to have anything to do with you. So the religious leaders many times would go around Samaria. And we read in John 4, 4 right here. And he, Jesus, had to pass through Samaria. Now, I don't know, many scholars say, yeah, he had to because that was the shortest distance. I don't know, personally, when I read it, I wonder, did, did he really have to? If he wanted to avoid the people that he wanted to avoid because they hated him, because maybe they despised him or his people, did he need to do that? I don't, I don't know. But I believe he had to because he had an appointment with a woman at the well. If you've never heard that story, it's a woman at the well who had been in relationship after relationship. She was living in sin. She was been isolated. She had to go to the well by herself. And Jesus comes to her, asks for a drink. Man speaking to a woman at that time, which was unheard of. And not only that, a Samaritan woman, unheard of from a Jewish man. You don't do that. He broke the rules. He turned it upside down. And as he began to have a relational conversation with her, she recognized he knew everything about her. And when she spoke about the Messiah that would come, and he just revealed to himself, and he said, I am he. And it changed this woman's life when she realized, you know everything about me. You know the sin that I've been in, but yet you still wanted to be with me in this moment. And you want a relationship. No, what? And he said, I'm he. And that woman left, and she went back into Samaria, and she told everybody that she knew. In fact, so much that the Samaritans who hated the Jews knew that Jesus was a Jew, and they, they invited him to stay with them. And many, many more because of what she shared, because he changed her life, and what she shared came to Jesus, and he changed their life. And what they saw and they witnessed in him was so different than anything they'd ever experienced before. You see, Jesus modeled this. Jesus modeled what it meant to have a relationship with those that are outside. I, I, I know I want, to, I want to share with this, especially if there are teenagers in the room, and you're saying, see, Mom and Dad, Pastor Heath said to go and uh, go to all the parties on the weekend. I need to be hanging out with them sinners. There is, there is wisdom that has to be made in this and what it means to have that intentional relationship. But many of us oftentimes, we, we think to ourselves, we, maybe we want to raise money to go on a mission trip somewhere. We're too afraid to cross the street to talk to our neighbor. And, and, and it's just, that sometimes is harder. But my challenge for you is this, is, is to find that relationship. Find those people because Jesus modeled this. Because Jesus, he went to people who hated him. And we live in a day and age when as soon as you come out and say, I'm a Christian, it, you can get some responses. As soon as they know, as soon as they know you're part of a church and you actively go. But, I mean, what if we just showed them Jesus' love in our lives and continually prayed for God to give us opportunities to share the gospel with them. Because when we have that and when we share that, then they're able to say, he's changed you. 
maybe I should give this Jesus person a shot. And maybe they'll sit next to you on a Sunday in here. And maybe it's an opportunity for you to say, hey, what is church doing for me? And you're thinking, what can I do to invest in someone else, to pour into their life and say, hey, just come with me. Come with me. I promise. What you're going to hear will change you. And finally, Jesus commands this. I mean, it's a command. He said, go and make disciples. He didn't say stay and make disciples. He didn't say sit there and make disciples. He said, go and make disciples. For each and every one of us to step out of our comfort zone, to go and make disciples. So here's my, here's my question for you. Where's your Samaria? Do you have one? Or do you kind of constantly avoid those? Maybe it's a family member. Ugh, that gets messy. Maybe it's a neighbor. Maybe it's a coworker. Maybe it's someone, uh, someone that's on your kid's sports team. Maybe, who knows what that might be. Is there a place that you could say is your Samaria that you can feel like that if I were to go there, um, man, it could be God's specific design, ordained moment for me to have a conversation and relationship with this person. What does that look like for you? Well, in the next few weeks, we're going to help you discover that. As we've talked about what it means to have a relationship and growing with Jesus and with God, spending time with him. Spending time with God's people, serving, loving, caring them, caring for them, growing with one another, worshiping together. But he says, it's, I want them to know as well. I'm, I want them to know what you've experienced. In fact, when we are growing in our relationship with Jesus and experience true community with his people, we can't help but want to tell others and invite them to join us. If God has changed your life through a relationship with Jesus, why would you want to keep that to yourself? Why, why would we not want to share that with others and live that out in front of others and let that difference be? Maybe it's because the other things aren't a priority. I don't know. Maybe those are areas that you need. Maybe I'm not spending time with God. I'm not growing. Maybe I'm not involved in regularly attending and being a part and worshiping and being a part of a church community. Maybe you're just like going, I mean, I feel like everything I'm going to share with them is not real because I show up at church, I wear my church hat, and then I go to work and I wear my work hat, and it's totally different. Well, maybe that's something we need to change. We're going to talk about that over the next few weeks, what that looks like. Because if we want to experience the full life that Jesus promised, we need to look at our lives and evaluate and, 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 and look inside of ourselves. And are we willing to, to, to go back to some basics? But as you learn in there, the basics sometimes are challenging and hard because it's, it's, it's a relational time. It's a consistent, regular time. It's making our, our, our church family and our small groups a priority in our life and not just if we kind of feel like it. It's looking and saying, hey, God, how can you use me to change the, the lives of others? Because if we want to experience the life Jesus promised, we, we need to care about what he cared about because he cared about all, the, all those things. Read the Gospels. Read about his life. He promised the full, abundant life, right? He's the one who said, I have come to give you life to the full. And here's what I want you to know. You, you might have heard me at the end sharing about the, the, you know, sharing the Gospel, sharing about your faith. What is that all about? Well, the Gospel is the good news of Jesus and the, uh, discovering what it means to know him because he lived and then he died and he gave his life for you and for me. And then he Defeated death and three days later was raised from the dead. And through that, now you and I can have a relationship with Jesus. He cared about you enough to come and to, to do that, to give his life. 
He did that also for your neighbor, for your friend, for your coworker, for the barista at the coffee shop, for the server, for that guy that worked that you just think, woo, God will have to do a miracle, do something in that guy's life. He can. Still about miracles today, and he wants to change lives, and he wants to change yours, and he wants this year to be better than last. So spend time with God regularly, consistently. Spend time with his people. Make it a priority. And spend time praying and asking and seeking out opportunities for him to use you to minister to others. And with an intent to say, hey, I just want to share his truth with you. It's one thing to be just a good person for them. That's awesome. That's great. But you want them to experience this life? A life that is full here and eternal, the one to come? Wow. Let's not drop the ball on that. You want to live that life? Care about what he cared about. Let's pray together. Father God, we love you. Thank you so much for your love for us. Thank you for loving us in such a way and dying on a cross for us. Thank you for giving your life so that we can have life. And Father, I I pray right now for each person in this room as we head into this new year as we head into a year um, that is 2022 that's so different. The last few have been very challenging in so many ways. I mean, it really have. What it means to, 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 to live a life of, of following you, what it means to, to, to call ourselves even a Christian, which maybe before that it would, maybe wouldn't find as much resistance, but in, because of a lot of issues and things going on in our life, it, 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 it is now. But God, we need you more than ever. We, we need your hope. We need your forgiveness now more than ever. And Father, I pray right now if there's someone in this room that that heard about that, that hope, I I pray that you'll give them an opportunity to step into our care and prayer room outside, to reach out, to let someone that maybe they came with know, say, hey, what is that about that he's talking about there? Because we want to help. We want to help them discover the life that you have promised us. Because when we live the life you've called us to live, we experience that full life, but so often we get in the way. Help us this year to get out of the way and let you rule, let you reign, let you change our lives. Thank you so much for your love for us. It's in Jesus' name we do pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to this sermon from Foothills Church. If you made a decision to follow Christ while listening today, or if you have some more questions about what that looks like, then let us know. You can text FC Decision to 97000, or you can head over to foothillschurch.com slash decision. We hope you have a great week.